Why should you read British literature today? That's a loaded question and one that doesn't have a straight answer. To answer it, we first have to have an understanding of what exactly British literature is. When you think of British literature, you probably think of boring, lengthy pieces about class and society where women are treated like objects and marriage is seen as a sort of business transaction. And you're right, a lot of British literature falls right into this box. However, not all British literature is so rigid and unrelatable to modern society. In fact, a lot of British literature takes inspiration from traditional fairy tales, stories, and folklore. You know the stories. Little Red Riding Hood, Beauty and the Beast, Alice in Wonderland, and etc. Okay, so these stories are not exactly considered British literature. You won't find cutlery singing Be Our Guest anywhere in Jane Austen's repertoire. Nevertheless, there is one British author in particular who draws heavily on these traditional tales to tell familiar stories in new ways, and that is Angela Carter. Today, we're going to be breaking down one story in particular from Carter's collection, The Bloody Chamber, The Company of Wolves. This story draws on a traditional fairy tale and children's story in refreshing ways, giving readers the chance to revisit a childhood favorite in a new light. Carter uses twists and turns throughout The Company of Wolves to explore themes ranging everywhere from sexuality and virginity to femininity and feminism. And through this, Carter shows just how fluid and expressive British literature can be and how it is so much more than the box it is so often locked into. Now, let's get down to business and start discussing The Company of Wolves and what exactly makes it such a great piece of British literature. The Company of Wolves is part of Carter's larger short story collection, The Bloody Chamber, first published in 1979, making it one of the more modern works that we've studied this semester. However, despite its relatively recent publication in the grand scheme of things, according to scholar Melinda G. Fowle, most of the stories within the Bloody Chamber are inspired by age-old folk and fairy tales by writers such as Charles Perrault, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, and Madame Le Prince de Beaumont. However, as Fowl explains in her journal article entitled Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber Revisited, in the Bloody Chamber, Carter takes these familiar tales and expresses them through new modes of representation including gothic, vampiric, pantomime, and romantic themes. Romance is especially prominent throughout many stories in the Bloody Chamber, although not quite in the way you'd expect. These themes of unconventional romance are especially prominent in The Company of Wolves. If you've read The Company of Wolves before, it may seem a little bit familiar. That's because, chances are, you grew up with the tale that it's based on, Little Red Riding Hood. No matter where you're from, chances are you've heard the story of Little Red, her journey to her grandmother's house, and her shocking encounter with a wolf in the forest. Not only has the story been well-loved throughout history, but it has been represented countless times in films such as Into the Woods, Red Riding Hood, and even Red Werewolf Hunter. However, Little Red Riding Hood has been around much longer than its film representations. According to an article in the Smithsonian by Rachel Neuwer, 
As of November of 2013, there were 58 known versions of Little Red Riding Hood in existence. The most popular of these versions is that that the Brothers Grimm originally published in 1812. However, oral accounts of the story of Little Red are believed to predate the Brothers Grimm version by as many as a thousand years. In short, accounts of Little Red and her journey to Grandmother's house are endless. However, none of them are quite as memorable as that in Carter's The Company of Wolves. So, let's get started in breaking down what exactly makes Carter's version of this story so unique. The Company of Wolves is not that different from your usual fairy tale. The first part of the story incorporates cautionary tales about the wolf's past nefarious behavior and attacks on innocent victims, first a young woman and then a man. These accounts serve to set up the idea of the wolf as a predator and highlight the danger that he poses. From here, Carter begins her account of Little Red, which is again not that different from traditional versions of the story. The young girl is knowledgeable of the dangers that the wolf poses, and while she does bring a knife with her on her journey to protect herself, she doesn't believe herself to be in any real danger. According to Carter, this is because the young girl has been too loved and protected and cherished to ever dream of feeling scared. The girl continues to possess this cautious innocence and naivete throughout much of the story, even upon her first encounter with the wolf in the forest. In fact, it isn't until the near end of the story that the company of wolves really deviates from its origins. Rather than having the young girl protagonist be eaten by the wolf, as is tradition in the original story, Carter chooses to have her seduce him by taking her shawl off and tossing it into the fire. Furthermore, Carter deliberately employs the use of traditional dialogue used throughout almost every version of Little Red Riding Hood. What big teeth you have, all the better to eat you with. However, rather than expressing fear at these words, as is common in traditional versions of the story, the girl reclaims the words and laughs at the wolf's remarks, continuing in her pursuit of passion. The story ends with the two coming together and living happily in Little Red's grandmother's house. This stark change in the story's ending and themes is thanks largely due to Carter's integration of themes of sexuality, femininity, and female agency. From the very start of The Company of Wolves, the young girl's sexuality is hinted at. It is mentioned that she has just begun menstruating and is beginning to blossom into a young woman. However, she continues to appear innocent and naive, as she does in the original story. She wears the color red, as many of Carter's characters do, which, according to scholar Leonie Dong, symbolizes innocence within The Company of Wolves. In her article titled The Company of Wolves Ending, Dong explains that though the girl appears naive at first, she is far from it. First of all, the girl seduces the wolf willingly, asserting her dominance over their relationship. Furthermore, she willingly and readily gives up her virginity and seeks marriage in a relationship with the wolf, furthering Carter's themes of female agency and feminism. In traditional tales, 
in British literature and most literature from historic periods, women do not have this kind of agency. Instead, female protagonists are portrayed as damsels in distress needing the rescue and comfort of a man. However, Carter includes no such portrayals. Instead, she revisits these folkloric tales through a feminist modern lens, giving women the power and agency that we have historically been denied. I believe that Dong sums up this sentiment the best through the following lines from her article. Begin quote. The anthology The Bloody Chamber consists of stories based upon fairy tales or folk tales, but Carter's intention is to extract the latent content from the traditional stories, including sexuality, patriarchy, empowerment of women, and virginity. Carter's stories aim to mainly attract female audience and convey the message that women do not need to rely on men and can provide and defend themselves. End quote. I believe that Dong is so, so on target and really understands the heart of Carter's anthology. I believe that Carter not only accomplished her goals of providing women a story in which they have agency and power, but she also opens up the door for a new generation of British and writers in general who do not push women to the sides, but instead willingly invite them into the conversation. all of this matter? Why does Carter's subversion of traditional themes and expectations in The Company of Wolves and The Bloody Chamber as a whole matter to British literature? There are several reasons, but I believe that the main reason is just that. Carter proves that British literature does not have to fit neatly into a box. So many scholars, writers, and academics have wasted so much time debating what constitutes British literature. However, in this process, they have forgotten that literature does not have to be neat. It does not have to be precise. Literature is, first and foremost, a means of expression. Literature doesn't have to be prim and proper or littered with traditional themes and tropes. In fact, I don't know about you, but I much prefer literature that wanders away from traditional themes in favor of exploring the marginalized and out of the ordinary. I think that, in order to truly understand British literature, and literature in general, we need to stop trying to understand it. Instead, we need to examine the stories that we love, the stories that make us think, and, most of all, the stories that represent who we are. Carter's work in the Bloody Chamber is just one example of how we can reclaim agency and set a new standard for literature, representation, and inclusion. Together, we can once and for all answer the question, what is British literature and why should you read it today? Because literature is what you make it, and in order to be truly represented, we must first claim what is ours. <laughs>